0: It's a beautiful day to say what you need to say. It's a beautiful day to say what you need to say. Yeah. And I can lead the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey there. Welcome to Time Out with Ty, the less official podcast of Behind the Buck Pass. We're back for episode 13. And we're broadening our horizons a little bit. I believe the first guest to ever write for bballbreakdown.com. A man who needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him a long introduction anyway. Some people may know him as Tweet Good Mac. Some people as Snotty Drippin'. Personally, I now know him as James Hollis. Welcome to the show, James.
1: Hey, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, only the so it's very rare to hear the tweet, the tweet good mac spoken i just made that one up on the fly one day and threw that up as my twitter username
0: i like it i like it a lot you're a, a celebrity tweeter so i think you need to no, have good no. twitter game <laughs> <laughs>
1: that that's funny to hear uh I, I know the the temecula all that stuff but i wasn't no going to say the word
0: i wasn't going to i wasn't going to say the word i don't i don't want to bring you on as the temecula guy i want to bring you on as Snotty dripping NBA uh analyst. Great tweeter. Celtics fan. I'll say this. Nothing's
1: off limits in the convo, so if you ever wanted to bring it up or ask some questions, feel free. It's it's not a traumatic event. It's it's all it's all comedy <laughs> to me. But I appreciate you having me on to talk talk basketball and to ask me about uh that that whole shenanigans.
0: Yeah, I think it's been it's been fairly well covered now. For anyone who doesn't know, you basically Trolled the hell out of some poor was it a lake a Kobe fan?
1: Yeah, some weird Kobe fan.
0: Yeah, and yeah, this guy you you messed with actually drove to Temecula. I don't think he was close to Temecula, but he, he drove there to try to fight you. And uh, obviously, you weren't going to go to Temecula to fight someone on Twitter because that's just not what you do if you're a sane, logical human being. You don't. You don't. I wouldn't go anywhere to fight anyone on Twitter. It doesn't interest me at all. But this guy did. And, obviously, yeah, like I said, you just weren't there because, duh.
1: Yeah, and and I'm not really, even where I live, is not really that close to Temecula. And I was over in Arizona with my uh, my family for the holidays when it happened. So that's what makes it doubly funny.
0: <laughs> I still can't believe someone on because of Twitter fingers, drove to Temecula. That's the definition well, just, of Twitter fingers.
1: It is, man. Like, he, he had a mixtape cocked and ready to drop. So really, he just did it to drum <laughs> up, you know. So you know if, if, if uh, he, I'm not even gonna say his name, but he's out there. So he's you're you're welcome. I hope your mixtape, you know, I don't know, hope it went went wood. Whatever they do, they do when they sell five copies. <laughs> uh,
0: I think we're gonna be throwing some shade today, and I really like that. Um, let's talk let's talk some basketball now before we get too off into Temecula. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks are struggling. The Boston Celtics are not. One thing about What happens when teams struggle is, I'm sure you know this, because last season was not great in Boston. Fans get a little irrational. There are fans, and I don't know know if you're even going to believe this, there are Bucks fans that want to go and trade Jabari Parker right now. What? This is a real thing. Like People are really writing off, let me remind everyone, 20-year-old. Oh, did he just turn 20? No, I think he's still 20. Either 20 or 21-year-old Jabari Parker, because his defense and jump shooting has not been great. Is there any draft pick that you would not give up right now as a Celtics fan for Jabari Parker?
1: Um, and that's the thing. like he's, he's such an unknown right now, but uh, yeah, his, his potential is still it's, it's pretty high, you know It, just, it looks even worse because Wiggins has such a good year, and he got injured, Jabari uh, got injured, and he, he didn't really get to show he, what, he, what he can do. but I think people already kind of forget because of how he's being used in Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, this is this is one of the perils of trying to rebuild while you uh, compete. He's not being given free reign to just develop his skill set. He's being used in a very, very limited fashion as part of the one cog of the machine. So I don't think people really realize how good he, he, he is offensively.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. I, don't, I think his defense is – I mean, it's not good. I'm not going to sit here and try to argue that Jabari Parker can play defense right now. He really can't. It's not, I don't think it's unbelievably bad though. I mean, you look, he's basically a rookie and I did an article on this the other day. Like Andrew Wiggins, his rookie season had a worse, like, defensive rating and defensive box plus minus than Jabari has through all his starts so far. It's like, it's not, I mean, it's not good, but I don't think it's, it's irrevocably bad. I guess, I don't even know if that makes sense in that context. It's not, it's not the worst ever. It's not Ennis Cantor. It's not Bargnani either. It could be worse. Would you give up the Brooklyn pick for Jabari? The only
1: reason I would say no is if we had, if it has a chance of becoming Ben Simmons. Yeah. um, That's the only reason because I think Ben Simmons might be you know, but I mean, Jabari was considered just the same thing coming out of college. You know, just this this otherworldly talent. So, I, I think I wouldn't um, but if someone, you could probably argue me, you could make the argument to me that I wouldn't actually shoot down that that you probably should.
0: I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to think impartially here. I really like Jabari. I think he's gonna be very good someday. I really like Ben Simmons too. I'm not a, a big draft guy. From what I've seen of the kid, he looks incredible. Mm. I mean, it's it's tough and though the because the no. Go ahead. Yeah, I just say
1: that's the thing. You know, yes, Jabari. Is, I think he has. You know. I don't even want to say mellow like ceiling because people might think okay, a really good scorer. He he has that kind of potential though to be a game changing player. But then Simmons has the size, the length, and the, you know that that's something else. so I, I if I'm rolling the dice, I might I might just wait on that one, to see how it plays out. But I mean, other than that, Jabari has a full offensive package.
0: Am I a crazy person if I say Ben Simmons is LeBron esque?
1: Um, is not, at it, it? not at no, all. Not at all. No, no, it's not. No, 'cause you see, the, you see the kid in college. and He's just dominant all around. He's uh he's a, you know, passing, rebounding. Sure, he can't shoot, but neither could Wiggins when he came out. Neither could really Braun when he came in the league. That's. It's funny. I, I see people keep, you know, talking about his range and harping on it. When you can do so many other things so well, and you you have his, you know, size, and athleticism. It does. It, it'll come. And if it doesn't come, you're still gonna be. You're still gonna have a. You know, a a twenty six and six guy at the least. You know, so no, nah, I, I wouldn't worry about the range. And you're not nuts to look at him and think all around impact type player like Ron. those guys,
0: Those guys who can do it all are really, I think, more than ever. I mean, I don't mean to compare these players in terms of greatness. I feel like I'll get attacked if I don't say that by Twitter fingers. But I feel like Magic Johnson was in that kind of mold, and right now you got LeBron. Maybe Draymond Green, a little bit of Russell Westbrook, where guys are just doing more things really well than they used to. You know what I mean by that? I don't, I don't know if there's a term for that kind of player, but just a, a, someone who can do pretty much everything. I guess. I
1: mean, I, you know, jack of all trades, Swiss yeah. Army knife. Uh, you know, just versatility. Yes, I think that there, there'll never be, there'll always be a place in the league for a guy, even let's say he's not a knockdown three-point shooter. Let's say he's not, you know, a, a great mid-range shooter. If he can get to the hole, if he can rebound, if he can find ways to manufacture points, you know, free throw line, get to the bucket. If if someone can do do a lot of things and you know impact the game defensively, there's going to be a place for him in the league, and and he's go, he he can he can be a key contributor without providing the you know the buzz the buzzword of the day of course in the league is efficiency and spacing. But if you can do everything else. You'll a good coach and a good uh, organization can make do without having that quote unquote spacing.
0: Yeah, I mean you look at that's the thing. Like everyone's been using to shoot down the Bucks, and it's a fair criticism. They need more shooting than they have right now. With I mean, MCW's actually been okay, which is surprising. But without Giannis and Jabari either, of them being able to shoot offense is really tough. One of them will need the a shot one day. But, I mean, you I don't think it's fair to write off, like you're saying, an individual player just if they can't shoot. Russell Westbrook, I, I haven't checked after tonight's numbers, but yesterday or today he was shooting like 29% from three. Like, that's not that good. That's pretty much where you're going to say, okay, Russell, if you want to shoot the three, you can shoot it. We'd rather have you that do that than go inside because he'll tear up anyone. And he has been, and he keeps doing that. I think he got a trip. His third straight triple-double tonight. I mean, you don't need – a three-point shot to succeed in the NBA. It helps, but I don't think you need it.
1: I mean, and that you make a good point about, and that's the you know it is a fair criticism of the Bucks that other than Chris Middleton, there's not consistent shooting, and that that kills your spacing. Uh, yeah, yeah. So if you have a player like you said, Ben Simmons, who can't really shoot, you got to you know put a couple shooters around him, put a stretch four and a a, a point who can knock down threes around him. And stretch the floor out, then you're, you know, your shooting is coming from other places. You can work with that. The issue, like you said, with the Bucks is that you put guys on the floor like, you know, Giannis, McW, uh, Jabari, and and the, the court shrinks. The defense, you know, has it a lot easier because they don't have to really guard everyone, anyone but Chris Milton out the three. Um, but yeah, you raise a good point. I mean, Russ can't, you know, he he, he shoots maybe three, maybe four a game, which is a one a quarter, which is, you know. A, he he likes hey he likes to pull to keep the defense kind of honest yeah but yeah he shoots thirty he's, percent he's still scoring over twenty a game he's shooting forty six percent from the floor you can live with that if if you can do a lot of other things
0: just to go switch it up a little bit here I I, I want to talk Celtics because the Celtics are fascinating in a lot of ways I mean the franchise kind of always has been fascinating going back eight hundred thousand years to when they pretty much always been good <laughs> right now. Everyone says that this team is going to go for a superstar at the deadline and that Danny Ainge has been waiting to work his magic. There's the infamous story about how he had tried to trade half of the 8,000 draft picks they got from Brooklyn for the, the Frank Kaminsky pick, and Charlotte said no for some reason. Who do you see them going after is my question. Like, I'm not sure that the superstar is there at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, we see the Dwight Howard rumors, which to me is not the move that a young, upwardly mobile, growing team wants to, you know, bring in an aging, uh, you know, over 30 big man whose back is, you know, it, it could could give him issues that, you know, in the long run, he, he's not he's not going to be around for. I don't think I don't think Dwight can be an impact player in you know three or four years, honestly. And I I, I, think I, I love Dwight Howard's defense. I think he gets a bad rap because of the personality issues and the, the antics. But I don't know why Andrew do that.
0: He's expiring too, isn't he? Or does um, he have a player, I option? She, I a player has, option? I think he has a,
1: a, a player term. In a, yeah, I think he's going to opt out this year. Yeah, well, what, it's, what,
0: the, it's the crazy is. cap. I, I think in two years, Dwight's basically going to be Andrew Bogut right now. I, I don't think he's going to be anyone you want to build a team. I agree with you. I think he's going to have a role in the league, but I, I don't see that trade – I don't I don't know why the Celtics would be real interested in that, but I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's fine because you're. I mean, it's 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 an, it's unfathomable to me that. Okay, so the Celtics, uh, I think did everything right once they moved on from KG and Pierce. And then they held on to Rondo, you know, as a rehab, and then they moved on for Rondo. I was all on board with the program then. You know, you you tear it down to to rebuild from the ashes. Um, when they brought in Isaiah Thomas, I, I, I didn't realize I didn't think. All right, that's that's weird. Why you bring him on? And the pundits all say, well, it's a day you couldn't pass up. Well, it had a it had a domino effect where him and Crowder pushed us into the playoffs, which we didn't really want to make. You know, you're trying to rebuild the draft, right? And now here we are. And I think the Celtics are an average to above average team, meaning you know, 42 42 to 48 wins is not a that's, that's something to be proud of. But we don't. There's no. There's no next level talent. There's no. Uh, there's no franchise on the roster right now. And you know, the, the best way to, to get a franchise talent is you know a high lottery pick or making a big move. Now the question is, what team wants? Uh, you know, a future draft pick and or even a pick from this year and a bunch of role players to give up a real deal star. I think uh, everyone keeps calling out the Maury deal. No, that's that's no. Maury took a lot of years to uh, accumulate the right assets and waiting in the weeds for the right big move. And it had to be the perfect storm. You got to have a a young star who's not really broken out yet who wants to leave, or a disgruntled star who's ready to roll. roll. You got to have the right pieces that the team wants. You know, it's it's the perfect storm. And I think uh, Matt Moore, uh, HP Basketball on Twitter, made a good point that Ainge is more uh, opportunistic where he's just sitting there waiting and Maury is kind of a gambler. Maury would make the big move. Yeah. I, I don't know what big moves Angie's trying to make now. or He's kind of sitting there waiting. I keep hearing Boogie. I don't think Boogie's doing Um, I don't, I, I don't, don't see so. it. I don't,
0: I don't see Boogie moving this year at all. They're, they're actually doing pretty okay. I mean, they're 10th exactly. right now, but they were just eighth and they can get back there. They were seventh actually.
1: Yeah. Sacramento is a pleasant surprise to everyone in, uh, in California. Uh, all the fans they should be play i I ate crow on them. I wrote a piece on Be breakdown the other day just talking about how you know I laughed in the off season I think they'd went they went like they went like twenty one in, in in like uh like i don't know twenty of the last forty i, I don't know i had the but they've been doing a lot better than I thought they have some quality wins and, and boogie's been amazing so i I thought maybe last year they had a chance at maybe him but playing the way they're playing now, he's not going to so yeah mm-hmm. angels angels you know. Praying for something to fall into his lap. We'll see if it happens. And, and, and other than that, until it happens, they're going to be on that uh, six to eight seed treadmill, where they'll they'll win enough games to get into playoffs, and you know, quality wins and a couple couple of nice runs in the in the regular season. But when the playoffs come, the teams with the big guns are going to you know end up end up throttling them in the first, second round. So it is what it is.
0: They are they are, but I mean the, the Bucks for I don't know, five years, I am guessing at the number. I can't think of it off the top. We're in that six to eight, you know, murderers row where you're basically just lambs to the slaughter. The most significant of those years is probably the win in six year, Brandon Jennings. When he called <laughs> the, I mean, I still I mean, I don't I, I see where he was coming from. Like I liked it when he did that. I didn't. I don't want to hear my my. I mean, really, he was the star player of the team at that point. Go, yeah, we're gonna get swept. It's it's LeBron, D Wade, and Bosh. Like, I want to I want to hear him say we're gonna win in six. They obviously didn't. But the difference with Boston is the picks. It's a first rounder unprotected this year that everyone keeps saying it's gonna get traded. I don't know if it does or not. Next year it's a swap, I think, with Brooklyn. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Is there a 2018 pick too? Or Does that go to?
1: They got something with – I think they got something with Dallas on the Rondo trade. I think Rondo – Yeah, or the oh, Dallas yeah. They, oh,
0: they have, they have more than those two picks. I just meant with Brooklyn. They have oh, a oh, lot yeah, of picks. If,
1: Brooks, oh, yeah, if, if it doesn't go down this year, then, yeah, I think that oh, – Yeah, I think you're right. There's a, a pick and there's the right to swap in the future. It, it's so many picks. It's ridiculous. Right now, there's – Yeah. I, I don't even – I can't keep track of all the picks that, that Ainge has.
0: Well, he kind of has to trade. He has to bundle something. Like, he has too many players and too many picks. Like, you got to imagine if they just – if he went through and just selected players with all those picks over the next two years, the Celtics would have, like, 30 guys. Like, they, they well, just I'll wouldn't have I, roster spot.
1: I don't trust Ainge picking out of, like, you know, I guess tops – other than top 10 because look at the Terry Rozier and the James Young picks. I don't trust him yeah. picking in the middle of the first at all. He, he said I don't care about – people will say, well, look at Rondo, and that's great. He did – he snagged Rondo and a couple other guys, Nick and – But I don't trust him picking in the middle of the first. With, you know, especially recently, James Young and Terry Rozier really stand out. And even uh, RJ Hunter, who's not bad. I think that was a decent pick, you know, late, so late in the first. But, yeah, I I just, I want to get a high pick if, if I'm the Celtics because Ainge hasn't shown the proclivity to, to really, to, to knock one out.
0: Is Marcus Smart good? I hear Marcus Smart is a great defender. Not so much on the other end.
1: Marcus Smart is very good. Uh, I, I think he has, well, I'll say he has potential to be very good. We haven't seen a lot like while we were talking about Jabari. He hasn't been fully unlocked yet, for the simple right. fact that the team that he's playing for is in the playoffs. And, you know, it's it's such a different environment for a young player when your team is a legit playoff team and you know, every every win counts. Versus, okay, we're rebuilding around this young guy and we, we know we're going to probably be bad the next couple of years. So. We're implementing a a system and a structure, but for the most part this is all one extended training camp for, for our blue chip uh our blue chip rookie or second year guy. It's a whole different environment. So I think, you know, right now Boston is of course trying to win. So smart is a cog of the machine and he he's not really being featured I think as as I would like him to. So I think I, I really think he can be in a mold of uh uh maybe a, you know West a homeless man's Westbrook or you know <laughs> Dwayne Wade, super light, you know, with no with no sugar and zero calories, but he's strong, he's tenacious, he's uh, more athletic than people give him credit for. I think he he can really be a, a really good player. Maybe not a a one carry the franchise guy, but a very strong supporting character on a really good team.
0: Maybe uh, MCW on his good days.
1: Um, and he like yeah, you know what? I, I'm a I was a big fan of MCW. And uh, I, I'm glad to see him having some success this year because that kind of length at point guard is just something else. You know, I think I like the fact that he he can cause all kind of mismatches at, with his size, and he he is a mismatch even on defense because he can switch almost anything, you know, up to what one through four. Yeah. Pretty effectively, so that's that's amazing. Uh, I'm ho- I'm hoping that Jason that Jason kid can unlock him and bring out the best in him, and and you know teach him a few things.
0: I I mean yeah Milwaukee is too, Um I mean we, I, I I like MCW too. I think he gets a lot of, he gets a lot of hate. I'm not really sure why a lot of it goes to MCW. Like this summer, all the talk was uh, the, the spacing thing. It always comes up, but it was everyone tried to bl- wanted to blame MCW for it. And it's like, well, you know, as much as we all like Jabari and Giannis, like they're worse shooters than MCW. So why is it MCW's fault that three guys can't shoot? You know, like. It's his fault that he's not a good shooter, and he has gotten better. But, it like, I don't know. It seems like he ends up as a lightning rod a lot of the time. He takes it all really well. But I'm worried that and now it's kind of become Jabari for some reason. I don't know why the Bucks fan base will just pick one guy. Like, it's never just, you know, the team's kind of bad and the defensive scheme is being outfought by the rest of the NBA and these guys are young and inconsistent. It's, nope, uh, first it was MCW's fault, then it was Jason Kidd's fault. Now it's Jabari's fault. I think it's just everyone's fault.
1: And he, I think that it, it kind of sucks because I, we know that a big thing with the Bucks for the longest was we're not going to tank. We're, we yelled to the fans to put out the best product on the floor. So yep. after you know last year's nice run, in, instead of just building on the success gradually, the expectations shot through the roof. And it kind of sucks when teams try to you know they they try to like skip steps in the process because it, and they get this hyper focus on making the playoffs to the point where that's that's all that matters. But once you make the playoffs unless you have sustained success and you improve on the next the next year it becomes a disappointment. So um it's great that they, you know, somebody decided to sign there and you know you got uh you got Moose in town, but <laughs> I mean does he really fit the team? Does he really I'm fit sorry. what we were doing? And it it becomes almost like they had to make that move to say okay, we're progressing. Instead of, that's these young guys we are going to develop. You know, we're going to develop the draft. But the expectation is so high now because of, you know, the the off-season chatter. I heard talk of them being, you know, leaping to the top four. It's just, it's sad. It's sad that the NBA is like that. And I I feel like that about Orlando a little bit too. They such young talent, great young talent. And they now just have this, for some reason, this this huge pressure for them to make the playoffs when they, they don't even know what they have yet, you know.
0: Yeah, I'll get into Orlando in a second. Um, uh, I was just thinking the same thing about Greg Monroe, though. I mean, it's, I like Greg Monroe a lot, and I always have. He brings a lot to this team. His defense hasn't been as bad as, as a lot of people seem to think. But I mean, it, it kind of, I mean, he, he's on a two plus one deal. He'll probably opt out and get another payday after next season, wherever he ends up, if he does get traded. It kind of put a, Unrealistic time frame on this team, like you were talking about. Like the Bucks were not going to win the championship in in 2017. I mean, that's a year a lot of people say, but everyone's planning on the best two players being Giannis and Jabari. Maybe Chris Middleton's in that conversation now. He was on a tear this season, but I mean, Dude, in 2017, awesome. he is awesome. I really like. I think he might end up being the best or second best out of the trio. It's certainly still in play. He's a little older, but you got to think. I mean two of your biggest, most important three franchise players, and one year from now they're going to be like 21 and 22 years old. I, you'd have to go back probably forever to find me a title team where the big three were 25, 22, and 21. I mean, people say Golden State's young. Steph Curry is like, what, 26, 27?
1: He's like 28. I think he's a little, he's a little bit older than Kevin Durant.
0: Yeah, and then Draymond is 25 or 26.
1: Something like that. Yeah, they're, they're young. Like as they're as young, but, young,
0: but they're not 22. They're not like
1: young, young.
0: Right. Yeah. So the average age of Giannis Jabari and Chris next year is going to be like 22, 23. You don't win a title if your best three guys are that young. That's just not how it works in this league. I mean, you look at the Spurs for enough examples of that. Um. So, I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. Looking looking at it now, and of course hindsight's 2020, and everyone was excited about it when it happened. It probably would have been a little smarter to just say, you know what? We're going to go with John Henson at center. He's also young. He plays good defense. We'll see what we have in him. We'll save our cap space because next summer is going to be just as crazy. And should we don't – They should have absolutely kept Zaza. You're going to make yeah. a fan out of Adam McGee with this podcast right here. The biggest Zaza fan for good reason. Zaza and Jared Dudley.
1: Yeah. I mean, you guys have pieces, the perfect pieces to put around other, you know, your young guys who – I just fill in the gaps and, and do the stuff. I mean, Zaza, he's an underrated defender. Should have just kept Zaza on. Hey, guys, we made the playoffs. Let's see what we do this year. And let's let it roll and let it advance. And, you know, keep the expectations low, but optimism high. It's, I, I, It it seems so clear to me. I don't get why teams, you know, what's this this fascination with. I get it. You want to win the NBA, but you also want to build a star and build a brand and build a culture.
0: So. Yeah. the The culture thing is so underrated. It really is. I think culture is huge. That's why I'm worried about the Cavs. I don't think the Cavs have a, a culture that will let them win a title.
1: Um, it's funny because it's very true what they say. You know, if you add LeBron, you're go, you're you make yourself a final contender. That's great. But I, again, like you said, uh, the Cavs, they, they they did the right thing by putting talent around them and going in love instead of Wiggins, right? You do you do that for a star who's you know approaching 30. Oh yeah, I still think yeah. that
0: was the right move. Revisionists want to say it wasn't the right move. Andrew Wiggins, like we were, like we've been talking about, certain teams rookies get freedom, certain teams they don't. Andrew Wiggins is not your rookie of the year if he's on Cleveland. He's getting fifteen minutes a game, maybe.
1: I think he, yeah, he, he, his minutes are cut, and it, it becomes it goes from hey Wiggins, it's cool if you you know if you shoot thirty eight percent for too much because we're not going anywhere. It goes from to right. this hyper spotlight if LeBron James unhappy with that. Wiggins, you know, is and it, I don't know if he has that kind of demeanor to actually thrive in that kind of pressure cooker. I don't want to say he can't, but you know, he's it's you know it's well documented that he started off pretty slow as a rookie, and you know it's not really passive. He just that's the kind of player he is. He seems kind of kind of low key, and he's very good, but I don't know if he would have even broken out at all playing you know under the pressure of LeBron James and, and Kyrie. So.
0: I, I mean, just the Blatt thing really is what, I mean, look, you can say it was the right move, and I don't think it was the right move. I don't think, I mean, like Bill Simmons said, since the beginning of the NBA, you've had star players out coaches. It just happens sometimes. But, I mean, I, they shouldn't have brought in Blatt if they thought they had a chance to get LeBron, first off. yeah, They should have brought in yes. someone more experienced. And after they did, I mean, you can't not give him a shot at all, which is what happened. He never had a real shot. Because clearly but, he did well.
1: I'll say this: you you can. I think in that situation when you brought him in before you brought LeBron, just do the me a couple. cut your strings early. You know, just talk uh, talk to him about maybe you know taking an advisory role or something, and and for the PR spin, hey, we decided to. But just do it. Once you bring LeBron in, everything changes. And,
0: yeah, and, I would have. That would have been a lot better if they did it right away.
1: Yes, because now you have this coach who made the freaking finals. And he has a great, you know, a great win-loss record, and you gotta fire him. I think the big thing, the issue with him was, even though he had all that experience overseas, and he's he's a rookie NBA coach, and I I think the dynamic was the players they didn't they didn't they didn't respect his cachet, but he thought that they should have, and he kind of carried himself as he should have, and he probably did, and it was just a bad dynamic where he he was learning the NBA game on the fly, but he carried himself like you know a veteran coach but he was and it was just a really weird dynamic and like you said once once you if you don't get on LeBron's good side you're pretty much done. And I don't think yeah. he ever really sold himself to LeBron enough. Even though know, he tried, obviously his 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 in game acumen wasn't up to speed fast enough for LeBron. So
0: Yeah, I think that's the real hardest thing about becoming an NBA head coach. It's why I'm leery about non assistant coaches becoming head coaches right away. Mm-hmm. Um, J- Jason Kidd's handled it pretty well in Brooklyn. He got his stuff under control. Obviously, Steve Kerr did, but that's a little bit of a – I mean, Steve Kerr's been around NBA locker rooms for two decades, maybe more. Right. So that, that's not that really NBA the same. Player. Yep, yep. But the thing about Blatt, and Billy Donovan's done a pretty good job managing this too, is it's like nowhere else in terms of basketball coaching, uh, in terms of star power. Like in EuroLeague, I don't think any EuroLeague players are going to go get David Blatt fired in Turkey. I don't think a Turkish all-star is going to go to his coach. I don't I don't think that's how it works over there. It's the same thing in college. You run the locker room undisputed. You're the coach. You control everything about that locker room. In the NBA, it's not, that's not the case. If Boogie Cousins wants you fired or, De- or LeBron James or Kevin Durant or whoever, I mean, you'll get fired. I mean, it's more about the star player. Because they're so much harder to find on that level, because it's the very best of the best. I don't think Blatt is incapable of coaching uh, a star player, but I, I don't think he was ready for it, especially with LeBron. And LeBron just deciding right away it wasn't the right fit. I'd love to see Blatt get a chance over in Minnesota with the guy he drafted originally, Andrew Wiggins. I'd love to see that.
1: I will say, like, if he had a star like maybe, and I'm just speaking from what I, what it appears to be. I think a Kevin Durant would have bought in in a way that LeBron didn't. I think,
0: um, yeah, even definitely.
1: Steph Curry would have bought in in a way that LeBron didn't. Because look, LeBron, his gift and his curse is his basketball intelligence, and let's say it, it's arrogance. And he has the right to be arrogant. He he was the best player in the world for you know a good a good five, six, seven, eight years. And that arrogance makes you know he believes his way is the right way, and a coach has to really prove it to him. He had Pat Riley in Miami at the to kind of, you know, rein his ego a little bit and get him to buy in. There is no Pat Riley in in, in uh, Cleveland. So, yeah, it's a gift and a curse to be as good and 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 dominant as LeBron can be because he thinks his way is the best way. But it's amazing how this Golden State evolution that happened over the last, you know, year and a half even changed that to where LeBron's way obviously might just not be the best way because there's a, there's a whole new animal in town across in the West.
0: There's a few animals across in the West. I don't think Cleveland oh, yeah. could hold up against. Them. Um, we could talk about coach slash GM slash owner slash franchise star LeBron all day. I said we'd get back to Orlando. I oh, don't yeah. think Scott Skiles was the right. I, I, I don't, I don't like the Scott Skiles. I didn't like it right away to Scott Skiles hire because it doesn't seem, it seems like he might be the worst coach ever at coaching like a developing team. Scott Skiles acts like his team is. Preparing for their NBA finals run all the time. I feel like I don't think he should have a young team. I wish he would have gotten like OKC. I'd love to see him coach a team that's actually super talented.
1: So the thing about Skiles, if you look at it, I'm I'm sure you know this. But I don't know if the listeners know that everywhere he goes within like within a year or two, they go they all go from the bottom of the defensive uh, you know defensive metrics to the top literally in like a year or two. And it's been it's been like clockwork every team he's been to. So again, the, the, following the same theme, you, you try to skip steps. Orlando did, you know, they they've acquired this great young nucleus of talent. If I say nucleus, most people say nucleus is two or three players. They have like maybe five or six guys that you would want to say this is one of my core guys. Maybe not the guy, but he's one of my core guys. I
0: maybe even, even, like maybe even like I was gonna say six seven maybe eight they have a ton of maybe, interesting yeah, young honestly, guys. It's,
1: it's kind of ridiculous between you know Depot, uh, Mario Hizanja, uh, Vucevic, Tobias Harris, Aaron Gordon. It's it's it's. Good to have Payton, this problem. Yes, Alfred That's Payton. Yeah, I you know I, I I just was trying to save the reader the listeners time a little bit and I named everybody but they have so <laughs> many that they need time just to to say okay what do we have here. Because you can't keep a core of seven, eight together, right? No, you want a, no. You want a, basically, you want a core to be at the most four. So you kind of need them to parse through and say, all right, who are the guys we're keeping? Even after that, you can move two guys and, and consolidate talent and bring in, you no know, picks or even a, a better player. You can move through four of those guys. Instead of doing that, what is it? Oh, look, this is the year for us to push for the playoffs. Bring in Scott Skyle. So now it becomes less about developing and finding out what you guys can do, and it becomes all about wins, which is, I mean, hey, it's the owner's prerogative. It, it, but if look at what they're doing, um, I think Oladipo, I thought he was going to be a real breakout star this year, and I think he still has the potential. It's just that, you know, hey, we lost a few games. Let's take him to the bench. Uh, Fournier started off hot. They they started depending on that with their offense. I don't think he's really is that that type of player. Because on just this blue chip rookie. He's relegated to the bench. We barely see him for a long stretches. It's it kind of sucks, man. I don't like what teams do that, but I get it. You know, because uh, GM's jobs are on the line when it comes to you know wins and losses. So.
0: The Magic feel yeah. a little bit to me like Jazz West or Jazz East. I mean, I'm it's gonna agree same, with you that same situation.
1: with uh, I think Scouts is the wrong coach. I would have liked to oh, see yeah. Scott Brooks go there. And, oh, he'd be um, perfect. I, I think I can see what you mean because, like a lot like uh, Orlando, Utah is really deep. But they've already had that calling card defense, and I think their players are a little more, you know, more what you have with those guys. The ceiling. I, I, Orlando didn't know the ceiling of these guys they have yet, but I think that we kind of know what we have in Utah. And uh, yeah, we keep waiting for them to, to, to coalesce and break through in Utah. And it's but again, we gotta forget that they're still young too. You know, there's a lot of pressure oh, yeah. on them all of a sudden about making playoffs, and maybe there shouldn't be.
0: I think it'd be a lot worse for them if Exum had made it through the uh, – I don't remember what he was playing in. Uh, was that Euro Cup? I don't remember. What, no, I don't think so. Whatever he was in. If he didn't – I think he tore his ACL. If he didn't do that, yeah. I think the pressure on them is a lot higher. As soon as that happened, pretty much the entire NBA was like, okay, it's the Jazz can be bad again. It's fine. And now that they're actually pretty good, people are kind of just like, oh, well, that's a nice surprise. They, I mean, it's obviously I don't want to make it sound good that that happened. I was, I felt horrible. I really liked Dante Exum. It spared the expectations a little bit though that that did happen.
1: I think I, I agree with you that, especially for the, the, like I guess more of the writers, bloggers, the NBA Twitter kind of, you know, Twitterverse, they kind of said that. But I think the casual fan look at his numbers and just think, oh, that's not that big a loss because he, you know, he didn't do anything eye popping last year. Uh, but we know that he, he was really part of their best lineups because of what he did, I think, defensively and his, his versatility. But, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't know it would be as big a loss as it was. And, again, I think a lot like Boston, that run they had to close the season to a lot of fans, that became what they were expecting. You know, as season ends like that, well, this season will start like that. But that's not how it works. They, they also had a perfect storm last year of, you know, this chemistry, great defense other teams kind of maybe in the doldrums of the dog days of the season but you know the numbers are real but they obviously aren't as good as they look at the end
0: of the year inflation's very real in the NBA and people don't people don't realize it especially casual fans when i first started writing i didn't really realize it there's so many different ways where a guy can get to 16 points per game and some of them like some of them are it's actually doesn't represent how good a guy is if he scores 16 points because he's deferring to his teammates. Sometimes that's a perfect gauge of how good a guy is as a scorer. Sometimes it's an overration. That's not a word, but pretend it is. But that's yeah, overrating that. the player because uh, <laughs> because they're just getting so many shots they can score 16 points per game. It's it's like that with pretty much every stat. There's more than one way to get to a stat line. So it's, it's hard to gauge players unless you really get to watch them sometimes. And see how they do what they do.
1: Exactly. It's why I, um, the, we had a conversation about uh, about uh, Al Horford, and you know, someone was saying, "Ah, oh, he's pretty good, but he's not uh, not an elite player." But like you said, I think Al Horford, you feature him on certain teams, and he can give you twenty two and, and eleven easily. Oh, yeah, because he's that good. But that's just not how how Atlanta runs things. But then, like like uh, I think Kenny Smith came up with the term first time I heard it brought to national attention was that looter and a riot. Where you can have a player who's pretty good on a bad team, and he just puts up big numbers. He's the best looter in the right. His numbers <laughs> look sterling, but, but the, you no know, things are just going nuts around him. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I just it's it's hard to look at numbers and come up with anything real. You have to have them in context and, and know exactly what what the team and the player con- context is that these numbers are being
0: acquired. And the advanced stats help a little with that because you can't watch every game. There's so many games you can't watch them all. The advanced stats get torn apart a lot, and they they don't tell the whole story. No number does, obviously. But I mean, there's some stuff like you look at like the VORP record for a single season or for a career or wins added career. Or one of my favorites, which is a little obscure, is wins added per 48 for a single season. Oh, which, yeah. by the way, Steph Curry's on record to, on pace to break that record. It's held by Kareem right now. But I mean, it, you can just kind of tell how legitimate a stat is, where it's like, look at the all time leaders. And if the list is something like, you know, Chamberlain, Jordan, uh, Abdul Jabbar, it's like, okay, the stat, it's probably pretty good at telling who's good at basketball. But nothing, nothing paints the whole picture. You can't, you know, pull up a bunch of stats without ever seeing a guy play and go, oh, so this is the best player. This is the second best. Context is so important. I'm glad you brought up Horford, though. Oh, do you want to go on that? Well, talk about well no, I was
1: going to say, like, because you just you kind of springboarding off that the person's argument about him being, you know, a good player but not elite was that you know his box score plus minus, you know, right now was like you know 40th among all centers and and his I think something about his his win shares, you know, and that that was his reasoning, you know, ignoring the fact that he's one of the few players to be as versatile and put numbers that he put up over the last seven years. Like, he, his numbers, if you look at some of his, his stats and advanced stats, they stand up, you know, over the last six, seven years to some of the best who ever played, just as far as versatility. Right? It, he he kind of is a, a stat-stuffer. Portford has no holes in his game, basically. He he, he does everything well, There's not one thing you would say, okay, well, he, he'll hurt your team by not doing this. And that's very rare. I think that makes him an elite player. But, yeah, um, like you were saying, the advanced stats help, but they also can... Like everything else, you know, any if you just try to say, "Hey, these numbers say this," I can always find some other numbers that say the opposite. You know, exactly. so it's all about context and watching and and actually knowing. You know, like, hey, even though Russell Westbrook is not a really great finisher at the rim, he gets there and he gets there so consistently, and he puts a pressure on the defense doing it. It's still, you know, it's, his drive game is still a plus. So things like that, uh, yeah, you take more. It takes more than just a stat you can
0: yeah, I will say the one hole with those advanced stats is that they're not they have no idea how to figure out a great player like Al Horford who's not a high usage player. That's yes. what those things have no idea about. So it's like the Spurs get underrated on them a lot, although they still feature highly on other advanced stats because they're great. But I mean you just look at guys like Horford on the on the Hawks, Duncan on the Spurs, sometimes Kawhi on the Spurs. They're gonna have less individual win shares because, just like in the name, the wins are shared amongst the team. It's yeah. a, it's more of a team effort. Whereas guys like Curry, I mean, there's obviously team effort on the Warriors, but Curry is carrying them. Don't make any mistake about that. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, those guys carried their teams to greatness. Whereas a guy like Horford is more like he's gonna make everyone around him better. He's gonna yeah. defer. He's he's gonna have a quarter where he takes like two shots. Because Paul Millsap's hot and he knows, well, I'll, I'll let Paul ride right now. It's the best thing for the team. I'll let T go right now. I'll feed Corver some shots. It's rare to get a guy like that who's a center, but he has, he definitely is one of, the, I think, the best basketball IQ guys around. He always seems to be in the right position. Yes. And
1: there's very few centers right now that I, like, all right, the Marcus Cousins, sure. Um, maybe I don't even know if Mark saw him. We, we can put him up there. Well, you know, you trade him for almost any center in the league, not named Demarcus Cousins and maybe Marcus Saul, and hell, even Dwight's health issues might a team might you know they might think about that. So he's he's up there, man. He's awesome. I love Al Horford.
0: I'm glad we got an Al. I wanted to talk about a couple superstars that might be up for trade. And by the way, I would take Al over Dwight without really thinking about it. Is that I not really a, is that not a common thing? I bet not. A, it's Twitter. Twitter's dumb.
1: I'm gonna ask Twitter when we when we're done with this conversation because I guess the thing is I, we know that Dwight's defensive ceiling is totally different than Al Horford. So if you're building a team, you already have other pieces, blah blah blah. But Al Horford is just a better basketball player. than he is. He's he's not as physically dominant, but he's a he's a much better basketball player than Dwight Dwight, Dwight Howard is. So we know that. So um, go yeah. ahead. Right, so plays on the move, yeah. Um, he's a free agent, sure. So Let's talk about it.
0: Well, even before that, I mean, there's there's it's, I don't even know if I want to call it talk. There's been whisper that he might be available as a, a trade target. Uh, the thing about it is, like you said, he is unrestricted after this year. He is going to require quite a lot of money to stick with whoever trades for him. Maybe even the, the super max. Well, the, he's getting max for sure on the open market. But if he right. gets his, his bird max is significantly more.
1: Mm, that's true.
0: I wanna say and I haven't actually I'm gonna pull up my I wrote an article on this, so I'm gonna pull it up while I talk here. Which is always dangerous.
1: It's a com- this is compelling radio. It's my favorite part.
0: <laughs> um But uh if Al would you would you trade the Brooklyn pick for the chance at re signing Al Horford and having mm-hmm.
1: him I'll say this. If if Ainge I guess, you know, talked to him and, and, and felt good enough about doing it. It wasn't like a gamble, Cause I I I don't know. I'm, in my in my brain, I think if, if if teams usually trade for that kind of situation, they kind of have a handshake deal. You know, hey, we're gonna give you your max money, and yeah, I understand you you might be freezing, but you know they they get they, they take the temperature of the room, right? If they get a good idea that Al Horford stays, yes, in a heartbeat, I would I would. He's he's amazing.
0: Okay, I just found it. The max for Al Horford, and I believe this is the bird max
1: hey, let me guess real quick. Do you want me to do it by the year, or the full contract?
0: Um, do do either? I'm gonna. I got. I'm gonna say.
1: Look, I'm gonna say starts off at
0: twenty six million a year. Am I higher low? Look, you you point seven low. Wow, twenty six point seven million with the five year deal being valued at some a hundred and forty six million dollars. Holy crap! I don't see why. Um, why. Boston wouldn't pay Al Horford that though. I mean, Al Horford's a superstar.
1: And, and you know what? I'm gonna say I'm gonna call him a borderline superstar because of the simple fact that <clears throat> I think a superstar, uh, his team doesn't get drugged the way that Atlanta did against uh, against Cleveland last year. If you're a superstar, sure. he's a he's a star, you know, and he he can do things at elite levels for stretches, but he's not a superstar. But uh, that's quibbling. We can call him whatever you want to call him. I would get I would I would happily give Al Horford that kind of money.
0: I, I want to talk to you about free agency in a little bit, but first I just have a couple other trade guys I'd like to touch on. Was I the only one salivating when it seemed like there was a little trouble in Chicago with Jimmy Butler? Like, I don't know. I like If if a team could get Jimmy Butler, I don't know what you're not willing to trade for it, bar another superstar.
1: Yeah, if he's one of those players, that, then that's when you know a guy's made it. He's so good on both sides of the ball that I think any team that add, any team that was lucky enough to add him, let's say a playoff team that added Jimmy Butler, like a lower seed playoff team, I would, I would say that they, they, they vault, you know, easily to the top two or three in their conference. I think he's awesome. So yeah, I was, I was, ho- was kind of hoping. I like to see when guys move and, and, and talent migrates. So I, I was kind of hoping. When he did, I thought there was problems there, but, you know, he, he earned his money.
0: Yeah, he he's still earning it. There's still problems there. They they, they do too much with Derrick Rose. That that oh, yeah. marriage needs to end real quick. Oh
1: yeah. Um and that's the that's the thing when you're dealing with egos and and chemistry and superstars. Derrick Rose still thinks he's Derrick Rose or he can be and I think to everyone else it's painfully obvious that if he does it's not going to be in Chicago cuz they like you we've already said it, a couple times the league's kind of evolved so quickly past the point of where you can play a uh Chicago was, you know, hey, airtight defense, kind of junk offense, win some games. That's not what the league is anymore. And I think Derrick Rose doesn't fit really what uh, what they want to do there in Chicago. Um, he 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 can be uh, he can I guess help you know anytime you get a guy who can give you 15 to 20 points any night it's, that's a that's a good thing, but it's just how he gets it.
0: I feel like I have a lot of complicated thoughts on Chicago. I wrote a thing on them earlier. I feel like their, their weird gritty defense thing, which they shouldn't have fired Tibbs, but that's a whole other story. That, I think that could have worked for them if they had not featured Derrick Rose and had instead featured Jimmy Butler. Because look, if that defense works out well enough, right? You got a close game with like two minutes left. Unless you're going up against, you know, Curry, Kawhi, and, uh, you know, maybe like Westbrook or Durant. I mean, I, I'm gonna give the edge to Jimmy Butler in a close game. He's stupid clutch every time. So if you can just keep it close with that defense, and then in the last two minutes, pretty much go, okay, Jimmy, go fight for it. I think they have a of at least a decent chance against anybody right now. Derrick Rose takes more shots per 36 than than Jimmy Butler does, and that's just dumb. If you look at their shooting percentages, it's just flat out that's dumb. A, it doesn't make ridiculous. any sense. Yeah. It so is. they're they're, um, they're stuck in Roseland right now. And not just
1: rose uh the fact that you know I, I think they 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 hung on to that core for so long it's hard for a franchise, I guess, especially that ownership, which is notoriously kind of stingy or want to use the word frugal, i guess yeah but it it's it's hard for them to really move on, and so they, they try to keep one foot with that identity and one foot, you know, hey, let's get modernized, and that's kind of not how it works. They kind of need a sweeping overhaul, and they they kind of try to split the difference. Uh, I think they're still in top 10 defensively, which is weird. And they're, yeah, one, of they yeah, they're one of the worst offensive teams. Cause those pieces just – it's a real, real, real hodgepodge fit. So,
0: I mean, they're, they're uh, all yeah. good defensive players. I, I don't know what the the, the management or the ownership thought was going to happen. Like, you don't bring in a more offensive-minded coach and, you know, all of a sudden Taj Gibson turns into David Lee and Jimmy Butler stops playing defense. I mean, they're they're good defensive players. That's just, it's that simple. I mean, good defensive players play good defense.
1: I think it's funny, to use a um, kind of, I guess, a metaphor or analogy, I think the Bulls to Cleveland are as Cleveland are to Golden State, whereas the Bulls are a really good team, and they'll win a lot of games regular season, and they can beat a lot of teams even in maybe the playoff series. But I think Cleveland's so far above them that it doesn't, it doesn't really matter that, as currently constructed, they can't beat them. And same thing with Cleveland and Golden State. Cleveland, they're a fine team. They're you know third, fourth best team in the league, but the first, the teams number one and number two are so much better than them that it kind of doesn't matter right now.
0: I like that. I think it's true. I, I think, you know, the the Chicago won the opening tip mat, the opening night matchup. But I, I think there's no question Cleveland's another tier. I wrote about well. This is where it gets complicated. This podcast goes up Friday. We're recording okay. it on Wednesday. I wrote an article today that I believe will get posted tomorrow oh. about uh, trade. Yeah, it's, it's, we got a whole timeline. So when you're listening to this, my article probably went up yesterday. But as we're recording it, it goes up tomorrow. Uh, this is Inception. So this is like a time machine.
1: This is like yeah. that movie with Denzel when he kind of goes back in time to try to stop. And Yeah, okay.
0: Yes, cool. it's, it's exactly that Denzel movie. So – In this past universe where my article hasn't gone up yet, I wrote about a trade between those two teams, the Cavs and the Bulls, because there's a little talk, I'll say whisper again, that Pau Gasol is available at the moment, which makes sense because, like you said, the Bulls and everybody else outside of Chicago knows that they're not winning a title this year. Pau will opt out. He's not going to sign that cheap of a deal to stay in Chicago, I don't think, anyway. So why not get some trade value? I think Powell on the the Cavs would be a lot of fun.
1: Um, I think he has a. Oh man, it's just it's so tough, man. I, if this was a few years ago, I'd say definitely yes. It, it makes it make it ramps things up. But I I mean let's let's be real because I'm the, the measuring stick right now is Golden State and San Antonio, and I I don't think he brings anything to that floor where they couldn't play him off the floor against uh against Golden State. So it's it's weird because his numbers still look really good, and he still he's deadly from mid-range. He's still deadly around the, the hoop. He still has, it's, he's, he's, the, he's one of those shot blockers that just uses his length because he really can't move, laterally too much anymore, but he knows where to be. So his numbers look good and all that, but I wouldn't want him on my team. Uh, and I don't know what contender, unless you're just having him come off the bench, would really want to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to give big money to Pau Gasol to be a part of my future for the next two or three years. Because I just don't think he's that type of player, man. I, I, oh, I, I, I don't it. know.
0: I don't think they resign him. Right. I'm I just saying, like even even, even if they.
1: Oh, you think this year in the playoffs for for Powell?
0: Yeah. In
1: in Cleveland. Well, and see, the thing about that is, I think already like they 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 have a red carpet to the finals, Cleveland. Yeah. So I don't know what like. Let's think about it, the finals. I mean, uh, Dre's gonna run in circles around him. Uh, I think Bulger is smart enough. To to be able to defend him decently well, because I mean, Powell's no he's not gonna he's no speed demon. So I yeah, I, he he had something. He definitely had something they don't have now with Moskov and and Tristan Thompson some post scoring, some interior actual like offensive firepower. But I mean, when it comes down to when you face the West, is that gonna really matter?
0: I think I like his his mental game just as much as what he adds on offense. I think his he's he's a seasoned championship guy. I think that's really why I want him on Cleveland to help. I mean, outside of LeBron, there's not that much experience there. Plus, I'd kind of like to see a, a fun small ball lineup, something like Kyrie, JR, Schumpert, LeBron, and Powell. I think that, I don't know. I don't know if that'd work or not. That was just something I thought of today or two days ago or one day ago or however the, the timeline works out. This is, uh, I can't remember what the movie's called now. It's a, it's a Guy Pierce movie. <laughs> It's a Guy Pierce movie, but um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it wouldn't work. Maybe it would work.
1: He's one of those players. Like I, I have like a a kind of visceral reaction to players just based on kind of what I know about him. And my first reaction to him is no, I don't know. Why. My first <laughs> I, I, no,
0: because
1: I know he's still he's hey, when he in his prime. I think he was severely underrated. He was one of the he was almost like uh, a, a ramped up Al Horford in, as far as. He could, he had no real flaws in his game in his prime. And yeah. I think he was, a, he was a more dominant offensive force than Al Horford ever had to be. So I, I, I he was really, really good everywhere. And I just think now the fact that his lack of mobility and uh, I, hate, I hate to use the terms so the modern NBA kind of, those two teams in, in, uh, in the West would, would give him such trouble. I think he'd have way more trouble with Golden State. I think he's actually playable versus San Antonio, but, you know,
0: yeah, I I definitely see where you're coming from. This Watching where he goes this summer is going to be interesting. There's a lot of interesting things this summer, and I feel like we'll just touch on free agency a little bit here. Um, a picture of a tarantula just popped up by your name. That's a little scary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll just touch on free agency a little bit here And right before we go. I don't think we're going to see as many max contracts as we did last season. And this is the same article I pulled up before. I'm just being resourceful and sticking to reading it instead of finding a new one to talk about. Right. So the Thunder maxed out Ennis Cantor, and it was seen as an okay move, not really by me, but generally an okay move because they couldn't do anything else with the space. And the max was four years, 75 million, or around, I think it was 75 or 80 million. I think it's like 17 a year or something like that.
1: Yeah, so like like seventy seventy six, seventy two million, whatever yeah. it is. Seventeen a year, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I don't think they even think about maxing him if his contract comes up this year instead of last year. Because his max bumps up you wanna you wanna try to guess this one? Guess the total amount for Cantor's four year max. If I it was- would
1: say it would have started like under the new the new rules, I would have said it would start at like twenty one
0: you're good at this I don't I think it would be around there I know totally it would be a 95 million dollar deal over four oh, years God. I don't think any team any 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 of the 30 NBA teams even consider giving Ennis Cantor 90 million dollars for four years of basketball
1: it's it's just mind-blowing how much that money is and it, it. I feel bad for cantor because i think he's you know, he's a fine he's a nice young offensive player he just he he's just really stinky defensively and Portland really kind of turned the screws on o k c with that max offer because i you know they sure might be they able did. to work something else with Phoenix. yeah they could have worked something else probably with cantor you know something less than that if no one you know no one's him a max deal so um and I see like you just said, they they kinda had to. They 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 didn't have the cap space to like do anything else. You that seventeen million can't really go anywhere else. So it's it was kind of pay canter or, you know, chase down the minimum of that big man. So yeah, OKC was in a tough spot.
0: But it's it's gonna be interesting this season because like some of these guys coming up for contract, like you look at Hassan Whiteside who a lot of teams like but he's gonna have that same max Cantor would have had of ninety five oh, million. So it's like, what team is really gonna give Hassan Whiteside ninety five million? Like, is he really gonna get a max? You look at. Uh, I, I think he will. You think you think it's Miami or somebody else?
1: I oh, I'm I'm pretty sure that Pat Riley's shrewd enough to know not don't, don't give my yeah. Hassan, Hassan Whiteside that kind of money. I see. I've been hearing it, and I can see LA doing it. LA wants. I to start building that building that cachet back up, and I think they might be unsavvy enough about the the advanced metrics side of things where they just look at his numbers and think, "Yep, that's our next good next great center." Um I would I would hate to be the team to pay Hassan White that kind of money.
0: It's terrifying. Even more established right. guys, Mike Conley is going to be up for that uh, Horford 146 million dollar uh contract. Is the team really going to give Mike Conley 150 million dollars for 5 years? I don't know. Um
1: I th- I think Like we, as we, you know, it's been talked to death. I hate to keep saying it, but we got to say it because we got to, you know, just lay the foundation what we're talking about. All so many teams with this cap cap rising will have max or close to max money that we're going to see some insane contracts thrown out to people who don't necessarily deserve them because teams can have max money and there's not enough players to to take all that. You know, there's not enough players that are worth it. I can see Mike Conley getting max. Um, I don't know. In my head, I would like to see them uh, max him out in Memphis. Uh, now you got him beside po Pau- uh, Marcus Scrap <laughs> everything else. Scrap the whole grit and grind and build you a, a freaking, a cogent, real, modern kind of offense around the talents of Marcus and Mike Conley. You can't tell me you can't build a, a good offense around the talents of those two and, and, you know, throw some money at some other free agents. You can't tell me that. So, I just wanted, uh, I hear you, I want I no, go ahead. I was going to say, I hear New York is in the, the mix for Mike Conley, which, of course, because, why not? every everybody thinks everybody wants to go to New York and L.A.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah, I think he gets the max money. What are
0: you, you going to say? I was just I was trying to get you to agree with me that he wasn't worth max money, so I could trick the 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 uh, the Grizzlies into trading him away before the deadline to Milwaukee. Oh, let's okay. Just, let's, so here, let's speed it. up the expectations super fast. Why not?
1: Check it out. Let me let me throw you uh. Up. You can use the soundbite later on. So yeah, man, Conley is awesome, but I I don't think he's he's worth max money. I mean. The so Grizzlies probably should think about trying to make move on from that kind of money so they're not under that contract.
0: Maybe send them to Milwaukee.
1: Hey, you know what? I think Michael Carter-Williams has a much higher upside, so why wouldn't you do that swap? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's some grade-A acting from our, our very hey, th- send that different.
1: on to freaking the front office in, in Memphis, and I guarantee you, you'll, you'll have Mike Conley on your doorstep in like two weeks.
0: I, yeah, we're going to have to do that. We only have two weeks until the deadline now, which is coming up crazy fast. Two weeks from – this is where it gets complicated again. Two weeks from yesterday when this post will be at the NBA trade deadline. So the 36 hours or so before that are probably going to be bonkers just like last season. One more guy I want to ask you about in free agency. Then we'll just do a quick – Who do you? what kind of trades do you think are going to happen? Then I'll let you go find because I've had you on here for – it feels like a long time. But also a short time, because this is a really fun NBA talk between two NBA heads, which is always a good time.
1: Yeah, I man, I really, I've I, I appreciated, and yeah, it's been wow. We're we putting on a long one. Sorry, guys, listening that we're running on so much.
0: That'll be fine. We, I usually keep it to just about an hour. We go over sometimes; it's fine. We go under sometimes; it's fine. It's a free flowing conversation. <laughs> yes, sir. Does, should Brad Beal get a max deal? It's the four year, ninety five million one. Would you give that to Brad Bill?
1: So uh, let's just say he's. Go- I think he's gonna get one now. Should he? My if I'm the GM, I'm, I'm looking uh, at. I'm looking at the the lower leg issues, man. He's had them every single year so far. Yeah. He's an awesome talent. I think with a real coach, Whitman and his dumb uh, long twos, you know, have kind of stunted his growth as a player. And with a real coach, the, the guy is. I mean, dynamite. We're talking about. He's the next level right below, you know, the, the whole greatest shooting guards right now. It's James Harden. Uh, of course, I think Butler's, to me, Butler's too, and Clay's right there with him, you know, interchangeably. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah. Bill would
1: be just another half step behind those guys, I think, you know, in, in a couple of years if he can remain healthy. But until he remains healthy, I, I can't see it. it. It's a lot of lower leg, lower leg stress reaction type things that worries me. But, yeah, he, so I don't think he should for that reason, but talent wise, yes.
0: I 100% agree with you. If I was the Wizards, I would try my damnedest to move him for something because I don't trust it either. But this summer, if I'm the Nets, I offer him the most I can give him day one. Because why not? Like, What do the Nets need the money for? Who cares? If he works out, you got yourself a star and you didn't have to give up any assets, which is good because if you're the Nets, you don't have any assets. And if it doesn't work out, it's like, oh, well. You know, we 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 tied up some cap money for the first few days of free agency. It doesn't doesn't matter. We we're not probably going to sign anyone. If I'm the Nets, I'm offering every restricted free agent who is an iffy guy to re-sign the max deal. Because again, look, like why why not? If you get someone awesome, if you don't, oh well, things go as planned.
1: I, I can see that concept, but if I'm the Nets, my my also thought would be uh, we've done so much damage with the, those huge contracts of uh of uh. ISO Joe and, and Deron Williams, let's clear the decks and try to do this the right way. And I don't know if Beal is somebody I want to pay pay that kind of money to if I'm the Nets. Um I wouldn't mind if, like I'll say a team like Charlotte that thinks it's in the mix and is a little further ahead. They should probably throw him a max deal at They can't keep a tune. Even if they can keep a tune, I I'd say make a run at him. But um I don't like that's that. Just, yeah, that's just throwing it out there. you know what? Let's be let's let's take let's let's get let's take it to the abyss. If I'm Miami, I, I let Wade do whatever he wants to do, and I go after the player like Beale.
0: Ooh. I, I, I have not thought about Miami as a team retooling in a while. But, I mean, with how smart that organization is, I, you might be honest on them. They might go for a younger guy this summer. Because they got to yeah. see the writing on the wall is that they probably aren't getting a title with this core right now. The
1: only reason I would think they wouldn't is because, um, how much Dwayne Wade means to that organization. So I think they're going to get, they're going to end up taking, get him to take less money. Yeah. For maybe more years or something. And, or, you know, promise him, hey, at the very end, we're going to, we're going to throw you a, a one year max or two year max at the very end once we figure out what we're doing. But yeah, uh, I know he means so much to that area that I, I, I I think the smart on paper move would be, yeah, let's let's get younger and get someone like Bill in, but I doubt they do it.
0: He should do what Kobe should have done is to take a, a, a manageable contract and be a sixth man. Sixth man old Dwayne Wade would be awesome. Like let somebody start. Let Justice Winslow and let's say Brad Beal, if they can somehow get him, get some more minutes and just teach. I think Dwayne Wade could settle into that role. I don't think he's got the same sort of ego that Kobe does.
1: I think he does in his own way. I remember um during that last year with LeBron, during the season he was involved in the production of kind of like a, a Dwayne Wade pat me on the no, pat myself on the back. Uh, autobiography, autobiographical oh, yeah. TV special. Remember? Yeah, I, I, I think, think I do now. I think the, the emergence of, I think LeBron landing in there kind of ruffled his feathers, even though he'll never really say it because I mean, he was the man there and he's the man yeah. there now because of this is who he is and longevity. I, ego and pride are, are a mother. And I think that I, <laughs> I, I can't see him ever taking that role of saying, okay, I'll be six, man. I mean, hey, he wants to be considered amongst the best ever. And he does, they, they think they're above that.
0: I think you're right about that. It reminds me of AI, however many years ago, when he demanded a start, and it clearly just wasn't in the cards. Exactly. All right, I, I've said we were just going to go like five times, We are, but not quite yet. Give me three guys you think for sure get dealt by the deadline. And just before you go, I would say I was would have definitely put Markeith Morris on the list. And now that he had that outburst, I'm moving mm-hmm. up to number. He's he's number one. He is yep. absolutely getting traded. But you can go now.
1: Yep, you just you stole my number one. He he has to go. And I think yeah, I, shame on that Phoenix front office for not moving him this summer. I think yeah. that directly I I'm gonna say that directly led to the firing of of uh, of Jeff Wanercheck. Yeah, so, I say no um, question. Crap! Now you made me. Now gotta really think, because uh,
0: you took my number one. Who is gonna move? I'm not letting you. You can't use David Lee either. Uh, it's too boring. Damn no it. one really cares. No one cares. Hey. hey, you
1: know what? When I remember when they signed him, my my mentions were full of, you know, why what you got against David Lee? He can still play. Just All Star hey, 2012. Yeah,
0: former All Star. I hate when people yeah, say that. That's, oh, God, he stinks.
1: He doesn't even stink. He's a decent basketball player. He just. He doesn't defend. Hey, what? Whatever. Okay. Um, who's gonna get moves? Let me see. Let's try to. My dark horse candidate, man, and I think New Yorkers are gonna. Well, I don't know if any New York listen to your podcast. I think Melo. I think they need to move Melo.
0: Ooh. I don't know. I think he likes. I think he likes being buddy cop with Porzingis.
1: I think he does, but let's let's not forget he has the same amount of miles as LeBron. No, not as much because not as many playoff runs. Yeah. But it's been 13 years. Uh, that team is really in the infant stages of development and growth. And he, as a veteran, sure, if he's happy there, I have no problems. But is he really going to be happy in, you know, in a couple years? Because I I don't think they're close to contending. So I I would like to see him move to even still Chicago, even, even, uh, Houston. I like to see him move for pieces and, and, uh, pieces and draft picks somewhere.
0: Okay, so you think so he he forces his way out then because he's got the no trade clause.
1: I don't think. Yeah, I think it's. I'm usually agreed upon. Hey, Melo, we okay. want to get you in a winning situation. Uh, and you it know, does make sense. It. I think so, but is he really going to? Probably not. Um, I think I, I'll. I'll say so. Re, more realistically, I'll say probably. Uh, I'm gonna say Lance Stevenson.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: I think Lance is gonna get moved, obviously for the obvious reasons. Just not really a good fit in with the Clippers.
0: Is it, is it and, weird how
1: hard? No, you go ahead and say. Oh, no, I was just going to say I think that uh, I can see a team like Indiana actually bring him back home. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, he he knows the system. I think he would kind of understand what would be expected of him under Vogel. And I, with this more up-tempo attack they're taking, I think he'd be right at home.
0: I'd like to see. I like Lance. I hope he, he goes somewhere good again. What the hell was I going to say?
1: Uh, so I said Lance, and you said, "Isn't it weird how?"
0: Oh yeah, 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 isn't it weird how no one can fit in on the Clippers?
1: Um, it's not. Well, you know what it is? It's Chris Paul. I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm, I'm starting to, to. Chris Paul's an amazing player. Him and Blake Griffin, two of the best players in the NBA, together one team. I think. Uh, Jesse Blanchard, our editor over at B-Ball Breakdown, wrote a piece on this. How hard it is for uh, I think Zach and Zach uh. Zach Harper, I think, wrote a piece on this, too, how hard it is to build around a point guard for the simple fact that there's a lot of reasons. Make sure you go look it up. Google Jesse Blanchard uh, point guard conundrum or something. You'll find it. But um, I think Chris Paul dominates the ball and the action in a way that, and and Doc allows him to, of course, and Doc has implemented a system that takes full advantage of Chris Paul's skill set. But I don't think it takes full advantage of Blake Griffin. I think it, it makes guys who do anything other than catch and shoot, uh, it makes it just it just kind of nullifies them because the, the, I mean, everything starts and stops with Chris Paul initiating action.
0: I think Doc might have a little bit to do with it, but not as much as people think. I don't think he's a great GM. I don't think he's the dumpster fire people make it out to be. But yeah, I was thinking about that myself the other day. It's like. How many great teams have been built around a point guard as the best player? And you come up with the answer, not many. It was funny after that Blake incident went down. I'll just say incident so I don't get sued. Hey. How much, how much Blake slander I saw on the timeline. I had people telling me Blake Griffin could not be a number one option somewhere. Like you don't want to build your team around Blake Griffin. I was like, you must wow. be a fan of the, the Warriors and that's it. Because I don't know, I don't know many teams that you could not insert Blake Griffin and be remarkably better.
1: It, it's funny how how perception is skewed in social media because you know I think people say things like that, and then other other weirdos jump behind it and they feel like, oh, this is a valid stance now. We know Blake Griffin is awesome. Um, yeah, he's you know whatever you want to say, top three, top two, whatever. He's one of the best power forwards in the NBA. But yeah, I just think that like you just, you made a very good point about. Uh, coach, Uh, Doc Doc as a GM versus a coach, and I think they're at odds. His two roles are at odds with each other, and he's not doing a good job managing both, because the GM's supposed to think long-term and financial flexibility and team health, and Doc, the coach, is thinking win now, and he's operating in a win-now mode, and I, I think it's going to stunt the growth of this franchise over time. And right now, I think they're kind of almost, I hate to use the word, capped out as far as potential, but I can't see them beating San Antonio. I can't see them beating Golden State.
0: I can't see them beating Oklahoma City, to be honest. A healthy Oklahoma I, City.
1: My, I love them. I'm worried about. i worried about OKC and their defense. But yes, I, with Russ and KD in the playoffs, you got a puncher's chance uh, against anybody. And yeah. Of course, uh, you have an outside pipe dream chance against Golden State.
0: Um. I keep forgetting things. Oh, no, I was going to bring it back to the, the Bucks real quick, just to end on here. I'm worried about Jason Kidd in that same coach GM regard because he's sort of taken on personnel control. I don't think it ever works. I mean, just the, the one thing, it's kind of a my I had a lot of mic drop moments on our last Wait and Six podcast. is sort of a mic drop moment. If Greg Popovich felt like he couldn't handle both roles and uh, the Spurs brought on Odyssey Buford to take over that for him, although obviously he still has input. He's not the acting GM anymore. If even Greg Popovich felt like he couldn't do that, no other active coach can do that. I, I think it's that simple. I mean, Greg Popovich is the best. If he couldn't do it, I don't think Doc Rivers can do it. I don't think Stan Van Gundy should be doing it. I don't think Jason Kidd should do it. I, I think it's that. It's just that. It's plain and simple to me. It's it's two jobs. It's not one job.
1: I mean, when you put it that way, and in, in that in that you know in that light, you're absolutely right. You know, we know Pop is one of the smartest coaches out. San, Antonio's one of the most successful, San Antonio is one of the most successful franchises of all time in any sport, and the reason is because of the way they do things. And if yeah, if Pop himself was like, you know what, I, I can't handle the I can't handle the load of both of these, let's split them up. Then that means a lot. So yeah,
0: yeah, can't argue with that. I, I made a good point. I'm proud of myself. Um, first time ever. Do you have anything to plug? Before we get going, I have a couple plugs. Um, you, you already plugged a couple B ball breakdown guys. That was good.
1: Yeah, I just like saying the name, so you know. Hopefully, they pay me more next time. <laughs> um, No, I got uh, I had I had did a mailbag a few weeks ago, and it was such a rousing success that I'm gonna I'm gonna drop another one. Uh, this week, say Friday, another mailbag. So if you guys see me on Twitter, a grip and you can shoot me questions, I'll throw them in there. Um,
0: so I'm that's gonna about shoot it. you a question for sure. You're gonna you're getting a oh, question from me.
1: I'll probably ignore it, but yeah, send it to me.
0: Perfect. That's what I want to hear. That's the, <laughs> the rousing honesty I hope for from this podcast.
1: If it, if I have to do research, if I can't, if I can't just you know just pull something out of my ass and answer
0: it, then I, I probably will ignore it. I'll preface it with hot take colon, so it'll be, it'll be real easy for you, and it'll be like a question. I'll ask you to uh, do a hot take.
1: You know what? Oh. It'll be fun. I'll throw, it, I'll make sure I throw you in there.
0: Okay, great. Yes, that's what I was hoping for. um thanks to joey burbs for providing the intro and outro music to this podcast it's lit i forgot to shout him out on the last podcast on air i don't know if he listens to them all i don't know if he noticed we're gonna find out Joey. if you're listening to this uh send me a tweet so i know you listen to these i'm not sure if you do good job joey it's good music. I just, I'm surprised he didn't call me out for forgetting last week. Maybe he's just a good friend and I'm a bad friend for assuming he doesn't listen. We're going to find out. Could tune in next week to find out if Joey Burbs listens to the podcast. Um, follow at behind the bucks, go to at, uh, www.behindthebuckpass.com and com. I think is the URL. That works. That I'm told that works to so check out all James stuff and a bunch of other great stuff over there on both sites. Thanks everybody for listening, and thank you once again, James, aka Snotty, aka Tweetgood, for coming on the show. I, I had a lot of fun.
1: Oh man, I, I, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. I love it. Anytime you want me, I'll be back on. I'll stay awake this time. I won't. I won't. I won't leave you in the wind.
0: <laughs> fun little inside story there. All right, thanks everyone for listening. Have a good week. They slip away, they slip away Da 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 da